the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic, clear for the option. Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000. Line up and wait, 7 range, for my Alpha. Mark Tower, 172, Romeo Hotel, hold the code on the 133, ready to take off. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. That's that that stupid stuff like that, <clears throat> like an alternator that's fifteen hundred bucks when, you know. We can go grab one for our car down the street at Checker Auto for you know two hundred bucks or less sometimes. And blame it's the tort. same damn thing. Yeah, well, blame tort reform. You know, it, that's it, what it is. Yeah. Well, that's where that um, that small plane revitalization act thing should come into play eventually. I think when they start talking yes. about these really old planes, like like for example, my buddy Dean's Cessna one hundred and forty. Right. You wouldn't believe how many parts on that airplane are interchangeable with a certain Ford tractor of the same genre. <laughs> right? And and it's just dumb that, you know, if 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 you go by the part from the Ford tractor dealer, it's thirty two bucks, but if you get it that's from from uh from Cessna, it's two hundred and thirty dollars, you know, or more, you know. Here's, but so here's dumb. the part that I don't get. If you own one of those old vintage airplanes why don't you just put the tractor part in it and fly it experimental? Well, because after you've made it experimental, you can't bring it back the other direction. So yeah. So I guess it would be okay, you know, because I talked about that with Dean before, and he, you know, he's like, and, and first of all, he's one of three owners. So, but just say the general person, one owner, you get to make the decisions. So I guess I don't know what general person you're talking about, one yeah. owner. Yeah. Um, I guess if it was me, my thought about it would be if I ever want to resell the airplane, I don't want to lose value on it because of X. Because I wanted to save, you know, maybe three grand over the course of several years of me owning it or whatever. Well, then it becomes a cost proposition on how much you're going to lose by going experimental versus the cost. So I don't know if it's, you know, it's like one of those things uh, you don't have all the logbooks for the plane, so now it's worth half its value because you can't prove a certain amount of stuff. So right. I don't know, but if you're just going to keep it and just want to fly the wings off of it, I'm I'm with you, Brad. I'd do the same thing. Why not? I, he, he's right. got he's got the auto auto fuel STC, but it's, out here in and it's Arizona not, we can't get that fuel. Without and it's ethanol. not true that that you can't go back. You can go back, but you have to remove the parts and replace them with recertified parts and and maintain the logs. Mm. Well, that would make sense you know, that you should be able to do that if you if you go through that. Right. I imagine it would take some sort of, you know, FAA examiner checking it out or something or whatever you call them. I'm sure there's a bureaucracy for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Carl Valeri was just talking about flying an A340 or an A320 as experimental category. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the ADSB, right? Yeah, that was a that was a cool episode. Yeah. Well, we were we were inside the uh, 787, the experimental one. Number one. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and that one probably never will see 
service no. except maybe in freight. Who, who no, would, the, who would ever want to buy it? <laughs> well, they already they already said they're pretty much keeping that one. So, Chris, you should start this. Start what? Oh, we're recording. Oh, well, in that case, hey, welcome to episode thirty-five of the In the Pattern podcast. Uh, just a bunch of av geeks here. In fact, all four of us are finally here today for a uh, an episode. Uh, this is, like I said, episode 35, and uh, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, whatever the case may be for you. Uh, this is Chris, and I got the whole crew with us, John, Brad, Mark. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Just fine. Outstanding. Mark is back. Mark. Mark is back. Hello. Mark's alive. <laughs> We have some we have some listeners in the local area here that are like, wait, what happened to our California representative? There you go. So, <laughs> so just so you know, I'm alive. I'm here. Excellent. We're glad to have you back. And that was specifically for Nathan up in uh, Placerville. Placer what? Placerville. Placerville. Yes. Doesn't even sound like it belongs to California. I live in it Placerville. Does. Nah, it'd that, be that, nice. That's a, that's a former gold mining place. Is that right? Yeah. He's he's a he's a he's a new student pilot, so be oh. nice to him. All right, outstanding. Is he uh, is he learning out of where you learned from? No, he's uh, south, probably I don't know, ten minutes from my airport, but uh, he's in the foothills also. Cool, cool. Well, uh, we don't have a whole lot of flying to talk about this episode. Surprise, surprise. Uh, we always want to like throw a little bit extra into the podcast and talk about like some current events once in a while or this or that, but it seems like we are constantly going over. So this time we don't have so much uh, flying to talk about, so we have the chance to talk about some of the other things going on. Um, and uh, you, you probably heard some of the things already, but uh, we're just going to keep at it. I, actually, I do want to talk about one flight real quick. I, I do have one flight. I did a little uh, uh, blood run. Uh, with my buddy Dean again up to uh, Sholo this time in the little Cessna 140. Love that airplane. Um, it's just a dream to fly. But uh, anyways, we uh, took a load of blood platelets up to uh, Sholo. And this is, this is well, I was going to say it's the farthest I've flown with him in the 140, but it's not. not. I guess I've been to Parker, which was a little further. But uh, Sholo is about an hour and a half Maybe an hour. It was only an hour and fifteen because we had a decent little tailwind. So, uh, but on the way back, uh, hour and a half getting back. But uh, this is interesting because Sholo's a little town. It's not that big, but uh, the airport is seems like too big for that small town. It's got it's got two runways. Well, it's got your standard, you know, lengthy runway. It's uh, it's paved and everything. But then it's got a skinny crosswind runway and. Uh, just uh, you know, based on the wind that day, as we're coming in, we decided we had to, we took that to uh, favor the wind. So we took the uh, crosswind one runway and landed. And and here's kind of the funny part. So we land and head towards the uh, FBO to uh, meet the guy to um, hand off the box of blood from United Blood Services. Um, but we're a little bit early because we had that little bit of a tailwind, and. There's a, there's scheduled flights that leave this place. There's a um, it was a Beach 1900 uh, sitting there, and uh, they I, I don't know where they take people. Maybe New Mexico, maybe maybe just down to Phoenix. I don't know. And I f- forget the carrier name. Uh, I'll think of it later. But um, 
So they do a little scheduled flight out of there with the Beach 1900. So we go out and around him. He was just starting up the engine. So they were getting ready to leave, I guess. And um, so we go out and around him to get fuel because uh, we're a little bit early. So we both get out of the plane and, and Dean fuels it up. And he's like, you want to walk or ride? And I said, oh, I'll just walk. So, you know, he's going to uh, start up the plane and taxi it back around the 1900 and then back over to where the gate is, you know. And so I just start walking, and I'm walking, and I'm getting close to the 1900. And uh, the pilot goes, can I help you? I'm like, oh, no, we're just here to drop off a box of blood, um, you know, uh, for uh, Flights for Life. And he's like, uh, well, this right here is a, uh, a restricted Part 121 area. Or 120? Did I say that oh, right? Oh, right. 121. Okay. So there's this red line well, not a line, it's a square that this plane is parked in, right? And I'm inside of it now. And he goes, I'm going to have to ask you to step behind that line. And I point to Dean as he's taxiing by, and I say to him, well, I'm going to need to get in that airplane that I just got off of in a minute. <laughs> and then he kind of motions like a circle around the backside of the plane. You know, like, you know, I can't have you cut across here. You have to walk around. I was like, okay. You're a threat. I know. I'm a very dangerous-looking individual, and uh, I'm sure you all can attest to that. So, Anyways, I uh, obliged and walked around his uh, his precious 1900. I didn't want the TSA coming outside and kicking my ass. So, Anyways, walked around the outside of it and, uh, and met up with Dean over there. You know, we're talking 25, 30 yards away. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Dean dropped off the box of blood to the guy from, uh, uh, United Blood Services and actually got a box back that they didn't use. If, if they don't use them right away, they have to, if they, if they don't use them the day you give them, the next day they send them back. That's how it works because, um, they have a short shelf life. So it comes back to Phoenix and they'll go to a local hospital here where, where, uh, they will use it. So anyways, uh, so then we go inside, uh, go to the bathroom real quick, and sure enough, there's a TSA agent in there standing there with his hands in his pockets and whatnot, you know. It's kind of a funny little operation, but uh, anyways, <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, the, the airports where those guys are, it's a pain. I mean, I flew into Midway, which obviously does a lot of 121 uh, flights, and, you know, if you go into the, you get the little golf cart ride into the building and you think, oh, this is great. But if you forgot something in your plane, you can't go back without an escort. Huh. Um, that's just the rules. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Hmm. Unless you get the photo ID at that, air, that is only good at that airport. Hmm. Handy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, they took it real seriously. That's for sure. So... Well, um, so that was that was the only flight I really had to talk about. Um, I do have a possible flight, though. This is interesting. Um, Sunday, um, my my daughter is going to drive up to uh, Flagstaff tomorrow. She wants to drive up tomorrow night, like around 10 o'clock at night, uh, from Phoenix up to Flagstaff to hang out with some of her friends, and she likes to watch the NAU hockey game with uh, some of her friends because she has uh, friends that go to NAU and some of them that play on the hockey team. So she wants to go up there, but 
but uh, Flag's looking like, you know, snow and stuff. And, you know, she certainly isn't used to driving in snow. I, you know, I'm not used to driving in snow and I grew up in it, but she's never been on it. So driving up the mountain at night, um, it, you know, scares what, what me to death. Wrong? Yeah, right? So my, my wife talked to her today and tried to talk her out of it. And she's like, no, I want to go. I'll be careful. I want to go. And so she goes, I would drive up there with her and drive her up in my car and she could just drop me off at a hotel. My, my daughter works for um, a hotel so she could get her like a discount or a free room or whatever. But then I'd be stuck there all day waiting for her to get done doing whatever she's doing before we come back on Sunday. And we have a appointment back or we have a meeting back here uh, at, ch- at church on Sunday anyways because we're going to – uh, Mexico on a mission trip, but um, but anyways, uh, I said, well, if you do drive her, if you want to drive her up Saturday, I could fly up Sunday and get you. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah. That she, uh, otherwise, that would always be a no. But here's a reason why she'd be willing to do that, because she, right. she's she's got, <laughs> you know, the the rule is is that if we fly, I can fly with one of the daughters, not both of them, and she's never gonna fly alone with me. Because she don't want us both taken out, you know. I can take the whole family out or one kid, but not just her. And nope, me. that's no child left behind. Right, right. Or no spouse left behind, I guess. So, <laughs> so in this case, she's willing to uh, willing to have me fly up Sunday and pick her up. So maybe might be going up there to pick her up. So we'll nice. see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, Making uh, use out of that ticket. I know, right? Uh, real practical use. Um, but I don't think I'll be taking the uh, 172. I'll probably have to grab the Archer. The uh, 172's down for its 100-hour maintenance. I had it scheduled for last Saturday um, to go down to Coolidge for their pancake breakfast fly-in that they do first Saturday of every month. But uh, but uh, the owner called me the day before on Friday and goes, oh, I'm sorry, I got bad news. It's going to be down for its 100-hour maintenance as of Friday at midnight. So I was like, ah, oh, bummer. But um, – the good news is, is while it's down for its maintenance, they're putting in a Garmin 530. Nice. So, t- taking in, taking out the venerable KLN 89, and yeah. upgrading to the which 530. One, which one is the 89? It's a, it's the beautiful all green. Ah, uh, that one, that one, <laughs> that one. Yeah, it, uh, it does of... have a moving mapish kind of line and a plain symbol thingy but it's no color you know and it's the size of two postage stamps oh you don't have the apollo gps <laughs> that one there's the bomb yeah one of the uh classic 1985 technology <laughs> <laughs> when there was only four gps or four satellite gps's in orbit uh, what were you gonna say john um one of the uh anarcho papa that actually brett still has it um had the uh kln in there but they uh they ripped it out and i think they put a 430 in it Mm -hmm. Um, because i think both of their non-glass have 430s now so those are great gps's i need to get checked out in the glass i really do i think the diamond's next (laughs) why would you want to get checked out in glass you're supposed to be looking outside anyway (laughs) just because it gives me two other planes that are 172s that I can fly. All right. Well, there's a good reason. <laughs> That's, a good <laughs> That's my main reason. It goes from, and because, you know, um, they're the ones that are always open are the G1000s. Because um, not as many people are checked out in it. So 
Sure. Are they, are they yeah, like? But he's a Steam Gauge pilot. Are they like yeah. ten to fifteen bucks an hour more? No, they're exact same price. Oh, yeah, I remember no. you saying they were they they were the same cost. So, what the heck? Get yeah. checked out and go. I mean, it's the VFR checkout for a G one thousand is like, hey, that thing over there, that's your airspeed. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I gotta figure out um, what it, what like if there's any insurance insurance requirements, whatever that it takes. But uh, yeah, I need to do that because that would give me so much more availability. Yeah. And then the diamond is the big, big one that I want to do, but that's gonna be a few hours of time. So I gotta figure out when I have enough money to drop it on the checkout because yeah, it's kind of at this point, it's like I could drop the money on the checkout, or I could fly some more with people on my list, and I have a long list, so. <laughs> Yeah, you have, we'll see. You have people hitting you up all the time? Yeah, I've actually, um, I started a list in one of my, um, I always keep a little book with me, a little notebook with me, and uh, I started a list in there. Very good. So, because I've promised so many people rides and I can never remember who I've promised, so. <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, I'll get there. Well, I, so, um, the, uh, the owner of this uh, 172 ended up going out and buying another 172 Papa, um, which, uh, nice. So now he's got two, but the other one, I don't know if it's made it back here to Phoenix yet. Um, it, uh, here, this is what's funny. This is a, I think it's a 1981 or 82, which is about the same year as, as the one that we got, that we're flying right now. Here's, here's what's crazy. He paid $73,000 for this plane. Was it on fire? <laughs> was it was it gold plated? Seventy three thousand bucks for an, a nineteen eighty one eighty two one seventy two Papa. Now here's the deal: yeah, like it's only hours. It's got six hundred and ninety hours total time. Now that sounds amazing, except for you've got you've got this you know twenty some year old you know plane, or I'm sorry, thirty two year old plane with only six hundred ninety hours on it. I'm afraid of like dry seals and all kinds of issues because it's sat around for so long. Personally, what's your feelings on something like that? Well, it depends on did it sit around from like eighty-five to ninety-five and it's been flown consistently ever. You know, like when was the gap? That's that would be my question: is how much time has it had recently yeah. versus? You know, because it may have been something where they only flew it, you know, 300 hours for its first 20 years of life. And then for the last 10, they've flown it more consistently. Yeah, it um, just that is just so little. It scares me. I it's, uh, you know, 32 years to only put 600 hours. What is that? What does that divide into? You know, um, certainly there is 50 hours a year. <laughs> if that no wait. You're talking 30. Five, five hours a year? 35. Yeah. Five times six is 30. So say it's 700 hours. Five times seven is 35, and this is 32. So it's a, <laughs> it, it's about four and a half hours a year. I it, you know So anyways, I'm sure he did a great pre-buy on it and had it all checked out. It's going to be flying here from, I think, Pennsylvania, somewhere in the East Coast. So if it makes it all the way here... <laughs> And gets checked out, and it's okay. It'll it'll be great. But apparently, the plane still looks like it's brand new. I guess it's been been um, um, you know hangered the whole time, so it probably looks fantastic. But uh, you know, yeah. 
And it's where the, did you say it was flying from? I th somewhere in the East Coast, like a Philadelphia or something like that. Okay. Well, at least it doesn't get too cold up there. I mean, it's not cold for a long time. Mm. No, no. Except this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not cold. <laughs> okay, being a good engineer, I have to correct myself. It's uh, 20 hours a year for 30 years. Oh, okay. There so it works up. Yeah, yeah. Tw 20. Yeah, that's right, because five would only be. Yeah. So still, 20 it... hours is nothing. My concern, like you, is, is A, what's that gap that it didn't fly? And, and B, where was it stored? If it was in a hangar sitting there for 10 years, maybe. Mm -hmm. But if it was out on a ramp for 10 years, uh, and where it was. You'd see, the, you'd see it in the paint in the windows, though, if yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the dash yeah. and everything else. But I don't know. So we'll see. I'll report back later and let you know what it looks like uh, after I get my eyes on it and maybe get a chance to go fly it. But uh, it'll be nice to finally have a, a second 172 in his hangar to fly because – that 172 that I'm running right now, because of the price, it it goes out. I'm I'm not kidding you. Um, every day, if not twice a day, it's out. So, sure. Oh, he also has a Seneca, Brad, a Seneca two uh, that he uh, he rents out for. A, a, he's there's uh, several ATP students over there that's uh, using that. Sure, probably about 250 an hour ish. Somewhere around there. I don't remember, yeah. but that sounds about right. AngelAviation.com, if you want to look it up. Hmm. So, anyways, one of uh, if anyone else have anything to go over real quick? I I have a question. Yeah. And this is part of uh, Mark was sending some links, and uh, he did a Tracon tour. Yep. Nice. I get to visit NorCal approach, NorCal Tracon, but Ooh. it's yeah. They, uh, uh, my my question before you get started is on that one link you sent us, which this will be in the show notes. They had the picture of uh, Potomac Approach in there because you couldn't get a picture of uh, NorCal. Is that is that what it looked like? Uh, let me pull that one back up and because I was looking at the pictures, I was like, that looks familiar, and then I saw it was Potomac, and that's actually the one I've been to is Potomac Tricon. So I've been in that room that's in the picture, but that... was it the first link or the second link. Second link. The second link. The second link actually goes to this guy's website, yeah. Terry Blanchard. Mm -hmm. I, I and I don't know who he is, but the the was that picture? Oh yeah. I, it looked very. It looks very very similar to that. They have uh, uh, a central core where the, the the managers and supervisors are and schedulers are. Yeah. And then there's uh, separate wings basically off of there, and they control different sectors. They have five sectors that they control. Um, from San Francisco all the way to Reno because NorCal Approach actually c controls Reno. So they have the corridor of Northern California from Reno all the way to uh, the Bay. Okay. So it's, it's a huge area that they actually control right out of one, one facility. Yeah, it's because um, looking at the, the picture Potomac Approach, it's, um, it's uh, you know, um, managers in the middle and on the outside you've got they had um three main zones which was bwi dulles and um national and then they had another section because there's like four parts of the room and then the other section was uh the sfra so yeah, that's kind of how they have this one laid out like i said they have uh they have five sections and uh you'd have 
the local area here around Sacramento, they had it broken into two areas. They actually had San Francisco approach and departure in its wing. So it was really kind of uh, mind-boggling if you don't if you wrap your head around it. From where I'm at and where and where NorCal Tracon is located, is is literally in Sacramento. That's 160 miles away, 160 180 miles away from SFO. Yet the guy who's talking to all the traffic going into SFO is here in Sacramento. Yeah. So it was it was actually kind of cool. And I'm sitting I was sitting next to the guy watching him direct traffic into two eight right and two eight left into SFO. Really nice guy, and he's just you know it almost looked like he was playing a video game. He was very very good. I mean this guy was he had traffic coming from all over the place, and he was putting them at that point and at that point and at this point, and it was he was talking to them as they were going in and get got the next one in the flow and. Very, uh, I was very impressed to to see how these these guys and gals work. It's also kind of cool to put faces to the people on the other end of the radio, mm-hmm. and yeah, then really absolutely. get to see where they where they work and what they're looking at and how they're doing it. And that is just, I think that is like fantastic. The the way if I if if anybody here locally in California or wherever you're at, if if you have the opportunity to go to a, and visit a Tracon, and they're happy to do tours. Um, if you can do it, I highly recommend you do it. Um, we spent about three hours there and they take you into a classroom first and they give you the whole background of what they do and what they really control and what airspace and, and the whole visual presentation. And then you have a, a Q and a session, which was really kind of cool because our group was, let me think about this two, four, six, eight of us. And of the eight, five were pilots. So we had the we had three three wives with us. Um, so all the all the men that were there were all pilots, and and we asked a lot of the questions that uh, you know your typical pilot would ask. Um, so that was that was actually really cool to get some of those answers. You know, there's there's if I want to try to go into this area, normally you try to keep us out, but if I really needed to go there, how would we be handled? And he goes, well, you know, and he walked you through the whole procedure. I mean, I don't want to drag the whole thing out but it was it was cool to go do it and then we actually got to go into the control room um and and see firsthand what all the controllers do and what their jobs are and um meet the management and and it, it very everybody in there was very cool uh very laid back um but very professional all at the same time so if you if you can do it i would highly recommend it how did you uh how did you get into doing this my uh, my buddy Keith, who has the Cirrus, um, his his partner um, called up the Tracon and you know requested a, a tour, and he said I've got uh, you know ten people, and they said okay, we need their names and their driver's licenses, and they they do they run a kind of a, a quick check on you, make sure you're not you know a hooligan of any kind. <laughs> Background check. So how I got in there, I don't know. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Must not be very good. Uh, no, so they we gave them. I think I think it was a two to three week uh, lead time, and they they checked everybody out, and everybody was approved, and um, we just met there, and they had a guy that was the he's been with NorCal. I I don't have his cards, I don't have his name. Very nice guy, but he's the he leads their uh, education group or their training group there. Uh, so he was the one who gave us the the the, the whole tour and. But uh, yeah, all you got to do is give them a call, and and if they have availability, they'll schedule a, an appropriate time for you to come in. Uh, I went midweek, and uh, it was 
it was pretty easy to get in there. I mean, it's all a secured area, so you've got to go check in at a security area, and they actually wand you down, and you have you can't take your cell phone, you can't take a camera, you can't take uh, liquids, nothing. Mm-hmm. So it was almost kind of like they're going through TSA to get into, you know, once you got through the security gate, then you were escorted into the building. Yeah, sounds, I mean... Sounds uh, very sim- similar to the one I did in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah similar and, to, to doing the... the RCC in uh, Minneapolis too. It definitely uh, it makes a lot of sense though, because I mean, unlike you know the TSA and some of their restrictions, this is more of a you don't want your phone ringing in the middle of a big room full of controllers. Yep. <laughs> you know they don't want pictures and stuff because it's we, we, the thing that I noticed that kind of hit me the biggest um, or was I guess the thing I least expected was just the, how dark the room was. Yeah. Because um, you got you all know, these. It's funny. That, that, that's a comment right there that was funny because we asked that if you look at uh, you look at the five six because they had a training area also that was a, a replication of one of the other areas every every area had their own lighting control so some were a little bit brighter some are a little bit darker and we asked them well what's why <laughs> and they said it depends on the crew that's there the guys that have been around the guys and gals who have been around for a really long time that are used to working in that dark hole that's what they prefer the the newer younger uh controllers that are in there now kind of like to light up a little bit higher so they let them have that control so it was it was interesting that you you had made that comment because we we got in there and we're like wait why why the lighting difference and and it was kind of dim in there um but it was a it, it was so much easier to see all the monitors though oh definitely because it looks like they're all playing like atari from uh it does because it's all green and you know that kind of stuff and um did 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 you get any of the controllers to to show you all like the different layers they can put on top of the screen and everything yep we did that um when we were in the center section like that the one picture that i sent you the link to right there where the scheduler was he was showing us all the different layers and you know how you know we saw traffic that wasn't part of their control it was actually flying over so it was part of uh what is it? Uh, ARCC, I think is what it is. Um, so they were like going from LA to, to Seattle, but they could gl- they could actually mouse over it, grab them, get all their information, and they could they could actually pull a printout and show you exactly what their squat code was, who they were, you know. And it was it was really impressive. So they were able to turn all these different layers on, zoom in, zoom out. It was almost like looking at something on your on your regular computer monitor, and and they. You know, they could make it as cluttered or as clean as they wanted to. And isn't it neat how they know what every little dot on there means? Like, because it, it, it's not a graphical map if you've never seen this screen of any kind as far as a map goes, you know. It's just, like, it's waypoints, and they're designated with, like, little dots and whatnot. And But they know in their mind what all of those are without having to turn on the layer that tells them. Because you could yep. do that, too. They just le- try to leave it uncluttered, right? Yeah, yeah, and it had it had boundaries of uh, of airspace. It had um, intersection points. You know, they're going to tell you to go out to Froggy or whatever. That intersection point was was on there. They had the approach lines into you know all the different airports. So Monterey. So we're watching uh, a uh, a King Air fly into Monterey. Um, and he goes, okay, he's going to, he's going to go here and you're watching his, his plane go and it hits that point And he, you know, turns into the approach into, into Monterey. And that was, it was so cool. He's, you know, to see 
it, how what was the word I was going to use? It is a it's very choreographed. I mean, it's it's almost kind of cool to watch it, um, knowing where all that traffic pattern is going to go. It's such a it's such a precision flow. Yeah, and very to have one guy, and to have one guy per small area because they'll have in their their the bigger areas it's broken up into you know five or six smaller areas and each one of those and it's it's how they hand off to another person or you know if if you if you're used to doing that you're flying around and um you're still in your airspace you may not be going anywhere but you're within 100 miles of your airport and you get up and you contact them on here locally 125.4 well i i go a little bit farther north they're going to hand me off to somebody else that guy is literally sitting next to the other guy. <laughs> and, yeah. And we, and we watched him tap it. It flashes yellow, and he hands it off to him. And this guy, he goes, okay, I got you. He accepts it, and he now has control of you. And it's just really cool to see how that really works behind the scenes. Because, you know, when they're giving you, okay, contact NorCal on whatever frequency. And then this person, you know, you contact them, and they're like, yeah, I got you. It, but he was watching you the whole time, and, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to see it behind the scenes. Who uh who manages that Traycon? You know That's, what I mean? Uh, um, no, I don't. A lot of them are are managed by. I'm trying to think of the name. I've been trying to search for by it for the last centers? Time. Yeah. Um, um, overhead is Oakland Center. Oh, let me see if I can find. Do, do you mean like Lockmart or? Not them, but probably like them. Um, another big name in aviation that. You didn't know does this probably that most people don't know that do this. Anyways, keep going. I'm gonna see if I can find it. I know I will. I, I I think they do a lot of them too, not just the one here in Phoenix. Carry on. <laughs> okay. Um. So we got a chance to, to to look at the different areas. Like I said, we my my buddy Keith and I we went into the the San Francisco area uh, wing there first, and we spent some time. And what was really kind of cool is. They uh, they have like an old school telephone receiver, and that for you know guests to sit there. All the controllers obviously have headsets, but um, we got this this receiver. They plugged it in so we could actually listen as they're talking. And what was funny once we went through the first section, we got to go into our area that we normally fly in. So we're sitting there, we plug in and we're listening, and now I'm hearing the voices that I'm used to hearing as I'm flying. Right. And I spin around and I'm looking. I'm like, all right, wait, which one are you? <laughs> and I'm waiting for him to talk again because they're they're busy. You don't want to go, you know, say, hey, who are you? Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, but yeah, you're sitting there listening to the to the call, and one of the guys or gals would pop on. I'm like, oh, I know that voice. <laughs> so it, it was another one of those voices in your head type moments. <laughs> Can't wait to have my own plane where um, you know, people know know who I am by my plane, my tail number, you know, and I get used, to, you know. I know their voices. They know me. You, you get a lot of preferential treatment. I know Dean does when he when he's going in and out of uh, Deer Valley. You know they know eight one Lima. They don't ask him anymore for his full tail number because they know that is his full tail number eight one Lima. What's funny is that is that we we my buddy Keith did get that and they're like oh you're a pilot you you own your own plane he's all yeah I have uh, Cirrus. Uh... Four nine seven Papa Golf and they're like oh yeah seven Papa Golf we talk to you all the time and he's <laughs> like ah. Oh. Very nice. <laughs> um, Raytheon is who manages, uh, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, I don't know if they're if they're owned or managed by Raytheon or not. I think I, Raytheon owns the contract for 
for that for a lot of towers, and I don't know how many, but I hear I think it's a lot. I think SFO. I, th- I think NorCal is FAA. Mm. I believe I they are too. They don't subcontract it out, huh? At least uh, I only found SoCal so far, and that is FAA. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually on the Wikipedia page. It says Northern California Tracon, and it, it gives a brief thing. But it's yeah, it. I think it was FAA controlled too. Hmm. Yeah. Well. So anyway. Very cool. So, so, so I like will. Fun. I will transition into another thing. I say my my buddy Keith and and his uh, pl- his partner in the plane. Uh, they just sold uh, Seven Papa Golf, and it's heading up to uh, to Brad's area. No, so it's about right. A, yeah, about you said coming up to Alexandria, right? Uh, yes. So it's about what about a hundred miles from you? Yeah, it's about a hundred miles away. I've I've actually landed in there, and I actually might know where it's going um, by reputation because a. A Cirrus owner in Alexandria just, well, not just, last year, last March, um, was doing, flying a VFR approach into Alexandria and ended up in a split-flap situation. Oh. Um, yeah. Hopefully and, you caught it before. <clears throat> well, the plane started to do bad things, and it actually turned out to be a mechanic, didn't attach the flaps to the you know, plain. Um, but, uh, so he caught it and he said, forget it and pulled the chute and it, it turned out okay, but he, the plane came down on the middle of the lake that's right next to the field, um, in March and the nose wheel went through up to the, up to the, uh, cowling and, I think the wheels on the sides went through and then the, the wings and the, the added surface area of the wings of the plane and the fuselage of the plane kept it from the rest of the plane from going through. Um, so they were able to walk away. Hmm. <laughs> They're lucky. So, so yeah. what I, so what I understand from, from Keith, uh, is that it is a new student pilot or a new, yeah, he's a student pilot that actually purchased it. Is that an SR20 or an SR22? It's an SR20 GTS, so it's got the Avidine system in it. It's a okay. If I had the wherewithal, I would buy that plane in a heartbeat. Um, they're they're in the market right now for an SR22, and I want to say a 22 turbo, but I'm not sure about that. Um, mm-hmm. So they they've only found three nationwide that they're semi interested in. For the they right. got a whole bunch of them up here in Duluth. Yeah. <laughs> They have a whole bunch of them in Colorado Springs too, but um, they have, like I said, they haven't found the right one that they're looking for. They're looking for a certain amount of hours, certain equipment. So, and I guess they're not in a real big hurry to, to buy. So, I guess when you're going to spend that amount of money, you're going to get what you want. So. Yeah, they're still pretty spendy. Wow. Yeah, and and, and there's the the one that they sold was an 08, and they're they were still looking at probably an 08. Um, almost the same price for the for the twenty two as what they paid for the twenty what five years ago. Hmm. So anyway. yeah, that twenty two GTS with the turbo is a is a monster compared to the twenty. I bet. I bet. That's yeah. A, that's a lot of power. A lot, a lot more equipment and it's much faster. And 
And that's the one with the FADEC, right? You have the single control I for so. power. Yeah. I saw a cool video one time of, you guys might have saw it, where the guy, the guy uh, does a... Um, does a speed record breaking thing. He tried to break a record in speed, and I, it was either that or it might have been one of the um, the Cessna, which was uh, the Corvallis TT version of it, uh, from somewhere in California over to here to Phoenix, and uh, like his average speed across the ground and all that. It, w- it was it was pretty impressive. But those two planes, I forget which version of the Cor- Corvallis TT and the GTS. Uh, um, Cirrus uh, Turbo. I mean, they're practically identical planes. I've, I've actually seen pictures. I'm a big Cirrus fan. Don't get me wrong, but I've seen pictures um, just like a, a, an off angle or something, and I thought it was a Cirrus, and, I, and it turned out to be the Cessna. And then mm-hmm. like, I get mad at myself. I'm like, oh, you should know the difference, you know. <laughs> it's like, but it's tough, know, you know. What? To be honest, uh, you know, they're they're both awesome airplanes. The, I think the Cessna is is more, but Whatever. I th- They're you awesome. Mean, you mean more money? More money. I think that, that top of the line uh, Cirrus, isn't it, isn't it somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 plus thousand dollars? Yeah, it's, 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 a stupid, it's a stupid number. There's so many other planes that you could get. There's <laughs> jets that you 000. can get for that kind of money, you know? Yeah, I, I can buy an L39 for 300, you <laughs> know? <laughs> you can get a really nice twin for a lot less than that. Oh, this yeah. is true. There's so much you can do with 800,000. Twice as much. Twice could, as much fuel for the same for the for the same speed. I'm I'm good. I could get a fleet of airplanes for eight hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Speaking of airplanes, we I, uh, I like this Navion that you just posted. You like that? Or that link. We uh I I talked to the guys and I was I was like let's let's talk about if if we had you know the money today, you know and the ability to buy an airplane based on, you know. Financially being able to do it on what we really make, you know, uh, you know, a real down to earth, not a dream plane. Oh, I'd love to have this plane like an eight hundred thousand dollar Cirrus that there's no way I'm ever affording. You know, what's a realistic plane that you would go buy and why and stuff like that. So we uh, we all were kind of given the task to go out there and look to see what's available on the old trade of planes and the and barnstormers controller, whatever, you know, what have you and go out there and see what you can find for the kind of money. Uh, that you that you think you could afford to spend and and keep up and why did you pick that plane and and uh, let's let's uh, let's uh, start with John. Yeah, start with me, huh? I'm gonna start with you. <laughs> I uh, man, you caught me in the middle of searching for Piper Malibus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's certainly a nice plane. I'm not gonna, no, no, no. I'm this is this is the uh, the pipe the the Malibu is the plane that if I had won the lottery, I would I would probably buy. Right. Reason being, it's not a jet. You don't have to cover any of the like you know maintenance and stuff of the jet, so you can get so much more bang for your buck in operating this and being able to fly it for longer. You know, with much cheaper maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, you know, you can take six people in style. You know, yeah, it's nice in one of those things. Um, there, there was like fifty of those things at Deer Valley Airport about a month and a half ago because they did yeah. the, uh, they had some sort of uh, event for Malibu Mirage and what's the other one? Um, um, well, it's the Malibu Mirage Matrix, and then Matrix. there's the Malibu Meridian and some other Meridian. ones. And... That's the high end one. Well, the Meridian yeah. is the turboprop version of the Malibu. Mm-hmm. And the Malibu is basically the Saratoga. 
renamed. Yeah. Right? It's the yeah. six-cylinder retract six-seat. Ah, uh, yeah, something like that. Everything else yeah. in that class turns into a turbine. That's the only one that's not a turbine. All the other ones are have jet engines, well, turboprops. Well, yeah, and that's what the, the Meridian ended up doing. And some of them are called prop jets. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways. Um, so this this is the one I would probably buy. If not this, it would be a Piaggio, because I think those things are fantastic, and they sound amazing. <laughs> the Avanti's amazing. It, we're, but we're moving away there. from the lottery part, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, right. moving away from that. Um, what I picked is, uh, this is actually a plane that a buddy of mine who... Um, we're, we're, we've been talking for a long time, Buck and an airplane, and, um, we, uh, we, we keep throwing, you know, trade a plane postings at each other. And I, I know sometime in the next probably year or two, um, we might actually get really, really serious about getting something. And, uh, the plane he sent me is definitely within our price range. And if it wasn't for the fact that I was trying to buy a car for my wife and a house, I would probably jump on this like now. But uh, <laughs> it is a 1968 Cessna 177 Cardinal, not the retract. Uh, it's got the 180 horsepower conversion. It's uh, actually out in New Mexico right now, and it's um, $50,000, uh, which is pretty good for a 177. And what's great about it is it's only got 119 hours since major overhaul and 50 since the prop. And it's IFR rated. I like yeah, it. that is a nice plane. It's it's not only it's IFR. It's got a 430W. It's got yeah, it's got lots. Yeah. You're, you're ready for uh, for ADSB next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, what it had an HSI in it too, I think. And yeah, it's a it's a nice. I I might paint it, but uh, <laughs> it's just like baby blue. What? It's actually not bad. Baby, I don't mind it. Baby blue on bottom, white on top. Yeah, it looks nice. It's I I love the look of these things. I think they're fantastic, mm-hmm. and um. I mean, even you know, for a lot of the, the the cardinals you see, you look at the the panel and you're just like, eh, like it just looks dated. This one, it it looks it looks pretty good. It doesn't look as as old as some of them are, and I think no, that's a pretty nice panel. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the it, intercom looks like very modern. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's it's fantastic. Um, yeah, that's a nice looking plane, and it's got sure. a stole kit. If you didn't notice too. Yeah, I was looking at the wingtip. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, that's a sweet plane. A that's a really down. that's a cherry cherry airplane. Yeah, and for for fifty thousand dollars, I mean, you figure two people. I mean, that's not terrible. Right. And well, um, not at all. I don't, no, and, no, I mean, thinking that it's only got 119 hours since major 50 on the prop. You've got you know you should have forever you know, before one of those real expensive things are going to hit you. So. Exactly. You've got so much time to start building up the, the bank account, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and we, we've talked a lot about this. Um, I mean, my buddy and, and we, uh, you know, we basically figured, you know, we're going to have our fixed cost and, um, you know, for this plane, the fixed cost, we, we don't know what the insurance would be for it, but it looks like it's less than $200 for the two of us. If we put like 15% down for the, for the loan. Mm-hmm. Um, which 15% of this, I th- he told me it was like 3750 each. So it was like seven, right. seven grand. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, 75. So it'd be, yeah. 3750. Yeah. It's 75. And, and yep. for a lot of the, the, the one flying club in the area, that's like the same buy-in. So, hmm. um, you know, that's not bad. And then it was about, it was less than $200 a month fixed cost plus insurance. Um, 
insurance wouldn't be much. And and he said it was like a thousand or two thousand a year or something like that for the insurance. Yeah, I bet you it's under right. two thousand. Yeah, it should be under it should be under two. It's a fixed gear, single engine, cons, uh, fixed pitch prop. No, it's constant. And I think. One, yeah, it's a constant. Okay. It's got a prop. Okay, and once you get but once you get a hundred hours total time, it'll drop way off. You get your instrument and it'll drop way way off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the key with this plane, and and what I like about it, and what we've both kind of you know talked about and agreed to is, um, you know, w- we buy something like this that's IFR capable. We're going to get our instrument in this thing. I mean, absolutely, uh, and just fly the wings off of it. So real. I mean, um, it was yeah. If 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 his insurance was correct, then it was two hundred dollars a month each to own the plane, fixed cost period. And then the actual running of the aircraft. I mean, we we looked up, we did some quick things, and it was you know sixty seventy an hour to operate it. If you put, you know, it calculated some of the maintenance into it. Um, so, you know, we would have to, to work that out, but basically we decided, you know, when we fly it, we're going to put pay for our gas and then put some maintenance budget into an account for every hour we fly. And as long as we do that, we're going to have the money for the annuals or anything that comes up or that kind of stuff. So, um, this is like such a doable airplane. And, um, my wife said, as soon as I get her a Volvo, I can, I can go ahead and get an airplane. So, uh, I think we might do that. It's a winning deal. Let's call the broker right now. (laughs) <laughs> we have his email address. Yeah. And even the total time on this thing is uh thirty six ninety four. Yeah. So That's it's it. just That's fantastic. Good I told him, I said, where do I sign? Mm-hmm. Very good choice. How about you, Brad? What do you want to step up into? Well, it would definitely be a step up. Um the plane I picked was a Fiki uh, Flight in No Nice certified Piper Seneca 2. Uh, and it's a lot of airplane, um, but it gives me the ability to get out of here in the dead of winter um, most of the time. And that, for me, is a big deal. It's, it's tough when it's February, March, and it's overcast, and that instrument rating doesn't do you any good because you can't pop into the clouds anyhow. Because um, they start at the ground? Cause, no, because cause they're full of ice. Oh, yeah, there's um, that. And so you need you need a way out. And so this is a, a Seneca 2 is a twin, uh, turbocharged twin engine uh, airplane, which gives you an out vertically. In other words, if, if I'm flying out and there's 10,000 feet of clouds uh, above the airport, uh, this thing can get through those 10,000 feet in a hurry uh, because it's 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 got two engines and they're turbocharged. Uh, so you get really high-speed climbs uh, out of the thing. And also it's got de-ice, so it's, it's certified for flight and icing, uh, and so you're legal to go. But also you've got boots on the on the wings and the tail you've got heat uh electric heat on the props and there's an electric heated plate on the left windshield uh so that you can see out uh if the in case everything gets covered up mm-hmm. uh and then the extra engine uh means that I can fly over low overcast without having to just keep my fingers crossed like I would with a single 
uh, single engine plane or fly over the Great Lakes like and not have to keep my fingers crossed like I would with a single engine plane. Um, it you know there's you can't fly a normally aspirated single over the Great Lakes and be in glide distance <laughs> to the shores. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're big enough that that just isn't even an option. And so something like this with the extra engine, you can pull it off. Now it's it's an expensive bird to get into, uh, and it's an expensive bird to run. You're looking at the real cost of flying it is about $250 an hour. Uh, I, I spoke with uh, with Bruce Chen of the CFI cast, and he has had a Seneca II and for a uh, little over 10 years. Uh, and his, he's averaging about 250 an hour uh, total cost, uh, including all of his maintenance and and, every, and fuel and everything else. So it's it's expensive to run, but I can also get from here to the Gulf Coast in five five and a half hours. Uh, so it, um, my business is kind of maturing and and growing up a little bit, and may involve me doing some traveling in order to to get done what I need to get done. And this would be an ideal plane for to to take me to where I need to go reliably. And uh, also I could throw the entire family and suitcases and golf clubs and everything else in there and take them too. What's the, uh, what's the useful, something like this? Useful. Uh, you know what? That's a great question off the top of my head. I do not remember. It's a lot. I think it's, I think it's like 1100 or 1300. So it's a bunch. You could. Uh, um, you've got. Uh, you got four tanks. You've got 123 gallons, if I recall correctly. Um, long enough that it'll outlast your bladder. <laughs> um, yeah. Because it's turbocharged, the service ceiling. I think the service ceiling is 24,000 feet. Um, but uh, it's it's probably at its most efficient at about 22,000 feet. And up there, you're burning um, 20 to 22 gallons an hour, and you're turning 180, 185 knots. Hmm. Yeah, they cook. They move out. Hence the oxygen. Mm-hmm. Hence the oxygen. Because <laughs> yeah, it's not pressurized, so you're going to need you're going to need oxygen. So a plane like this, you need. I would obviously, I'd have to get the multi. Uh, multi-engine rating, uh, and I'd need to build up a bunch of time with a CFI before any insurance company would let me fly it on my own. But um, you know, it's it's a very very capable airplane. It'd be able to handle any mission I wanted. If I wanted to go skiing for a long weekend in the Rockies, um, you know, I can get to the I can get to the to Aspen in four little over four hours. So it's it's a machine that can do any mission I could real- realistically throw at it. I can go into the Bahamas, I can go into the Caribbean, I can, I can go to either coast, um, and you know, and get there pretty reliably. Yeah, my uh, my buddy Dave. Yes, one of the reasons why he got it was that he was in a uh, cold weather state, and uh, before he moved here to Phoenix, and. You know, he never had a problem. You know, he goes, I'm, you know, I'm going flying on days when most people aren't. 
which was really nice. Um, and now that he's got it back in Phoenix, you know, it's it's just a, an expensive aircraft to uh, unfortunately just sit in his hangar most of the time, you know, because the, the he goes out and does blood runs with it here and there. And but uh, you know, the mission that it's really meant to do, we don't have that kind of an issue around here. So. He's going to be looking to sell his here pretty soon too, I think. And uh, actually, he was looking to, I think, sell his plane and get something small, even like maybe a Dean's 140, a uh, little tail drag or something like that, or even maybe just a 172 to train to to train in because he's a CFI. So, Brad, there's your opportunity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I just need for him to sell it for really not very much money. I think that's the problem is that he got into it for too much money and the values on the twins have steadily declined as, you know, as the markets went down. They're starting to come back up now, I believe. But, uh, man, you can, Not, you can pick up a lot of twins pretty cheap. Yeah, you can get into into one of these. And a Seneca 2 is, is a very light twin. It, it doesn't have the useful load of a Baron, for example. But it also doesn't have the fuel burn of a Baron. Um, it's the engines aren't as powerful. It's not quite as fast. It can't carry quite as much, but it is a is a reliable multi-engine turbocharged aircraft. Um, there's a I, I went to an IMC club meeting um, a week and a half ago, uh, and IMC club is a is a meeting a gathering place for instrument pilots to come together and and talk about what they're doing with the rating and what's going on and that kind of thing. One of the gentlemen at the meeting that I was at has a Cessna 414. That's a lot of airplanes. Wow, those are cool. Yeah, it and you know, it he is it in a completely different class from the kind of flying that the the rest of us uh that were there are doing. He's doing he's able to do a lot more stuff with it and I think he flies it very very regularly on business uh so it you know a different world a different a different amount of capability but um you know a seneca 2 is a nice light honest twin it doesn't have the fuel burn of a baron or an aztec but and and it, and it doesn't have the useful load but it you know you can haul six people in it and you can go really really high and you can go reasonably fast not as fast again as a baron but that's okay. 100, 180 knots and nothing to sneeze about. No, no. It's not a 200 knot airplane, but 180 knots is okay. <laughs> Beats the uh, pants off it's... my 177. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's a different mission. Oh, right? definitely. And, you know, you, you look at, we were talking about the $800,000 Cirrus. You know, this is every bit as capable as that Cirrus with two extra seats, a whole extra engine. Um, granted it has a, it has a 25 to 50% higher fuel burn, but for 120 to $180,000 to get into it, yeah, you know, you can do a lot with that extra 600 grand. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot of fuel. Yeah. That's a lot of fuel. And you know, yes, you have an extra engine and Yes, turbocharged engines are they require a lot more care and feeding than a than a normally aspirated engine. You know, you you land this plane and you pull up to your hangar and you don't just shut off. You have to let the engines cool for 5 minutes and you know, you have to baby them and you have to very gently pull back on the on the 
manifold pressure when you're at altitude. You don't just cut the power, you cut one inch at a time. You know, and you very gently let down from altitude, and that's okay. But, you know, so it requires a lot more attention on the pilot's part. It's not the kind of just hop in it and go bomb around kind of airplane. Um, so you have to have the mission for it. And so before I would jump into something like this, I would make sure that I had the mission for it because <laughs> it's a lot of investment in, in money and in time just to be able to fly it. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the planes, one of the twins I've always thought was like a great value was a Cessna 310. Um, but yeah, nice airplane. But uh, they don't they they don't have near the useful load that 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 uh, that Piper does. But they're but they're a little faster, I think. But uh, you know, again, a little bit different mission too. They don't. That's not quite the all weather plane that that is either. Mm-hmm. But they're just yeah. Kind of, they're just me, kind of sleek. If I was going to get into a twin, I would definitely want one that I could fly into into icing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I'm not of the opinion that oh I can just fly in anything in this kind of airplane. Uh, there's a lot. There's still cases when you just can't go. But there's very, very few of them. Yeah, I like that little uh, wind, the windshield de-icer uh, that it has. It's if people don't know what that is, it's basically it's a it's a little rectangle um, piece that goes on the outside of your windshield, and it has like some plexiglass on it or whatever. But it heats up, so you at least have this little square. That's what what would you say, Brad? It's about maybe like so six, five, six inches about, wide. It, it's like an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper. Oh, I would right. It, it seems like it's skinnier than that, but that might be right. But it seems it like might be a skinnier. little skinnier. So at least you got that to look out of, you know, if the rest of it's all iced up. Right. Yeah, it's just enough so that you can see the runway uh, if you're shooting an approach and you've and you're coming down through ice. Mm-hmm. It's it's just enough to be able to do that, and you really don't need to see that much. But if there's a wicked crosswind, boy, that isn't going to help you at all, and you're going to be going someplace <laughs> else. Because the, with the crosswind, you're going to be looking at the control tower instead of down the runway, and you won't be able to see the runway at all. Yep, that would be an issue. So, All right. Mark, you got a plane? I do. What and this has like? always been one that, that I've I've really liked, and it's funny enough because... I'm gonna win it. I know I'm gonna win it, but oh, it's the uh, I already know. Beach, the Beechcraft B33. Yeah. yeah, either a B or a C33. Uh, that is a great plane. Um, the, the Debbie. The Debbie. Uh, you know, and I, I, I jump right on board with, uh, um, uh, with Jeb, who mm-hmm. from UCAP, who has one, um, but also uh, my flight instructor Bo. He owns one, and it is immaculate. And I just. I go drool over it because he's had he's done several upgrades to it, but you know I'm on trade a plane as we're talking, and they're in here for anywhere from forty to eighty grand depending on the what what it's equipped with. I mean you could buy one for you know for forty grand and basically bring it up into up into the twenty first century for you know as much as you want to spend, of course. But uh, right, yeah, there's no upper limit. <laughs> yeah, there's no upper limit. But I mean if you if you wanted to put another say 10 grand into it you could easily make it a very very nice uh little airplane um retracts um several of these are ifr capable which is perfect for me right now um 
Living where you live, yeah, that's that's yeah. almost a must. Yeah, well, I mean, in Northern California, we have we have IFR situations, and we have you know um, uh, serious VFR days. But uh, yeah, I this has always been one in the back of uh, back of my mind that I think if I was ever be able to physically buy one, this would be the one I would buy. Um, great fuel fuel burn, um, decent useful load. I mean, it's right along there with the with uh, our archers. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a sharp little plane. It can get you point A to point B in a pretty good clip. And so oh, those are, those are great planes. I love those planes. So, yeah, saying that I'm going to win that one. <laughs> I'm going to win the AOP <laughs> one. <laughs> That's the best way to get a plane. Absolutely. I'll be happy to pay the tax on it. A <laughs> whole lot cheaper than actually going out and buying one. <clears throat> so that's mine. I would, uh... What the hell is that? Yeah, what is that? (laughs) Wait. (laughs) I can afford that. (laughs) Yes, but what is it? The Fuga. (laughs) The Fuga Magasteer. Is it... It's the Fugly? What? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's a cheap jet. Have you ever heard this plane run? No. Yeah. Is it a pulse jet or what? They make it. They make a noise about equivalent to its name. It is just a horrendously loud plane. It was a joke. There's this... There's this Fuga CM170 Magister on uh, on controller, and it's only forty five thousand um, dollars. It's a it's a two seat uh, trainer jet with a V tail, is what it is. And um, there, you know, if you could afford to to spend the money, you know, in gas on one of these things, I guess it'd be great. But you know, there, you know, the the maintenance and uh, and fuel would eat you alive. But uh, you know. I cannot imagine what the fuel burn on this thing is in pounds per hour. I just, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine trying to land that thing. There's no ground clearance. Well, it's, it's like sitting on the ground. There's a lot of yeah. biz jets that look like that, though. Not that close. Hang on, um, I'm watching. I got a video up right now. I'm gonna try to see if I can hear this thing. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's flames. a lot closer than a biz jet. That that's lower than a car. <laughs> It's a lowrider plane. Oh, this is an awful video. <laughs> they got music playing, so you can't hear any of it. Oh, well, that doesn't do you no good. Yeah, you go, you go find a different one. I'm working on that. Oh, All this right, is well, in cockpit. Oh, oh yeah. is it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on. Let me save this, it, and this will go on the... It doesn't have ejection seats. <laughs> you, just, you, just <laughs> turn, you just turn it upside down and, and dump out. Oh, that is cool. <laughs> this guy got... A GoPro right in, like right on the dash, right in the center, looking out the front, window. and yeah. holy crap, this thing can book it. Well, I hope so. It's a jet. I'll do what it's four hundred knots. Four hundred knots, yeah. You know, it, it, not below ten thousand. That's that's correct. Well, you know, but but the the correct jet, if you're going to go buy a jet, you know, of that kind of money, you know, would be what? What would you say? What for a tandem two seat yeah, jet? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is sped up. That is one, definitely sped up. One fifty to three hundred. Well, no, no. I'm saying, what kind of a what kind would you get? Uh, oh, if I if I I buy an L thirty nine. Exactly. I'd get an L thirty nine too. Yeah, you get an L thirty nine with cold seats for about one fifty. There's Not a, a great shape, but no. There's a. I see them all the time for like that kind of money. That fifty, sixty thousand dollars. That supposedly is flyable. 
you know. No, no. <laughs> but there, there's a there's a place here uh, at Deer Valley Airport that does uh, um, restores these things. That they they've got like four or five sitting on the ground that is uh, you know constantly under some sort of restoration project. But uh, yeah, that'd be the right jet for that kind of money, I think, because there's just a ton of those for parts in comparison to something oddball like that. Especially now that they're they're shipping more and more of them into the country. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at them right. I'm looking right here on on Trade Plane. There's an 81 that's flyable for 160, another one for 170, half million. Mm-hmm. Uh, 149, yeah, 195, and those are all flyable, ready to go. Um. Yeah. Previously operated by Bombardier Learjet as a chase aircraft. Hmm. There you go. So, my plane, it's, <laughs> this would be kind of weird, because I keep thinking, I need a four-person plane, I've got four people, but the more I think about it is, you know, I'm almost never, you know, my family's almost never flying with me. I've only managed to do it twice, and I've had my, my license for, you know, two and a half years, so... Um, so realistically, what I should get is something that's just a two-seater. But uh, that being said, I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick two, and, and one of them you know is going to be a Navion. That just, that's just one of my planes I've always liked. Um, I showed you guys a, a picture of one, that yellow and white one. It's in pretty good condition. It's a 1946, so you're buying a little piece of history when you get a Navion. Um, if, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with what a Navion is, is it's a, uh, a four-seat aircraft, um, low-wing retractable gear it's got kind of a big engine on it um and they were made by north america and they you know who made the p-51 mustang basically after north americans stopped building um fighter aircraft after the war was done they started building a few uh few civilian vehicles so uh so um the navion came to uh came to uh, fruition one of the guys at our airport has a chinese fighter trainer uh, it's a it's a prop. You're not allowed to fly jets at the little airport that I fly out of. But uh, Nanchang CJ6. I believe that is what it is. Yeah, and it is it. It's completely ridiculous. It's it's sort of the opposite of this plane in terms of gear length. The thing sits about six feet off the ground. Yeah, like they're on stilts. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's just the goofiest. There is most ridiculous plane, but similar in the, in to ca- in category to this thing in that it's a it's a toy. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that is its purpose. The thing about the Navion, I think, is that if you ever landed that, such as you to break the gear, <laughs> oh, the gear would come up through the wings before it would ever break. Off. It look oh. it looks like they took the like the B seventeen landing gear and just put it on a little plane. <laughs> I was told they're like built like a tank, but you know, if you had North American building them and stuff, and they're probably using parts that they were using on these military fighter airplanes and whatnot. So yeah, they're just um, they're just so fantastic, and for the price, you just you know, it, it just you know, it's one of those planes that they, you know, you sit inside that plane, two people aside, you're not touching each other. You're not shoulder to shoulder by any means. I mean, you've got a lot of room in the front and the back. It's one of those things they weren't thinking about. How are we going to make this more sleek and get a few more knots out of it and whatnot and skinny it up? It's kind of a beast of an airplane as far as size-wise. But uh, 
and I like how the the the, the canopy slides back. The only thing I, I gotta wonder about is that tail is so small compared to the rest of the plane and the canopy. <laughs> I think the canopy is as tall as the rudder. Yeah, it's pretty close, ain't it? No, I think it is as tall as the. It's it's slightly shorter than the horizontal stabilizer. No, it's it's a little taller. So the, the whole vertical stabilizer is a little taller, but it is like right. Right in line with the top of the rudder. So what you're saying is yeah. I'm not going to knife edge it. <laughs> well, you're, that whole thing where you try to slip it to land mm-hmm. is going to get is going to net you about six degrees off axis. I'm, I'm going to run out of uh, run out of rudder eventually. But realistically, that thing would would you know it's got a um, it's got a big engine in it. What does that thing have? A uh, it's a uh, it says it's a Lycoming Geo 435 C2. So. It's a 225 horsepower, I think. Somewhere around there. I think that's right. 225 sounds right for what I read before. Um, so it's got a gas-guzzling engine on it, so it's going to suck some fuel. And they're not super fast, but I think they'll do 145, 150 knots, something like that. It's a retract. Um, and that one that I showed you with the yellow and white, you know, you can see that interior is a little bit rough, and those it's got some outdated... Uh, avionics that wouldn't it, mind getting rid of but it's thirty four thousand nine hundred dollars if you, you know, put 15 grand into it you know you'd you'd have something for sure i mean one of these two this is not something that i i i would necessarily be like this has to be ifr rated nice sweet panel and everything like that this is the the type of airplane you buy for a cheap price split with somebody and just go have fun mm-hmm. you know right. it, it just it just looks like such a blast to fly so that being said, and this thing would you know would seat the family just fine, and you know certainly draw some attention because it's an, you know it's one of those rare planes that you don't see. You know what I don't like about it? It's that stupid yoke. <laughs> it looks like a, a half a piece of crap Yugo steering wheel. It's, it's upside down. It, it is just yeah. ugly. You know, I'd have to see if I could find something else to put on it that would meet the standards or whatever. But. Anyway, you, you mean like a you mean like a push to talk switch? Because <laughs> there isn't one on there. Wait, on the second plane, I think there's a nice um, mic uh, with a yeah, with the, a lead there's a out mic. That you can talk to. You know, talk that's to. that's how they used to do it. That's you know, you didn't have headsets. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> but okay, realistically everybody speaking, everybody was deaf, but <laughs> yeah, yeah they, right. everyone was deaf. Yeah. Realistically speaking, here's the airplane that I'd I'd like to buy. 1972 Belanca Decathlon. Oh, get a Viking. The Vikings are still made here in Minnesota. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yep. Still made with uh, with nice wooden parts. Yeah. <laughs> these things these things are so fugly, but fantastic at the same time. <laughs> I don't think that's a fugly plane at no, all. I think it is. I, I really do. But there's just something... It's not they're, like it's is it because it's, they're a little boxy. I, I, it just the whole look of it. It's, it's fugly, but in like the nicest way fugly could be. <laughs> because <laughs> you, look that, you look at that, you look at that, you're just like, that looks like such a blast. And you're kind of cute, yeah. but I need a couple of beers before we go. Anywhere. <laughs> That's what we're trying to say. Okay. I don't know. It's you have just. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> Does your airplane have a sister? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think it is? I think it's just too short, and it needs to be, but it just it makes it look weird. 
this? Yeah, but you could do. You could have a heck oh, of a lot of god, fun I would. I would kill for one of these. Aren't they? Uh, aren't they uh, aerobatic approved? All day long. This one's. Got, yeah, these are. Got, that's uh, what they're for. This one's. This is right on the road to me, and it's only forty-four grand. Yeah. Yeah. So this this one's got the hundred and fifty horse IO three twenty with inverted fuel, so and oil, so yeah, we can fly upside down oh, until it's got... the tra- <sighs> tanks run dry. And here's it's seventy-seven hours since major overhaul, so we got all day on that. Um, new magnetos on the overhaul, you know. It, it, it this. It, the only thing this is good for is your $100 hamburger runs and just to go flip yourself upside down and sideways all day long because it's not a cross-country machine. You know, it's... it's it's. Oh, no, there, there's another really good use for this plane, and that's for backcountry flying. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Tailwheel plane, fantastic. This one's a nice one, too. The 72 has been kept up. It was it says it's refurbished in 2002. In fact, you throw some skis on that, Ooh. You know, oh. and then you're set. One of the one of the guys I met at uh, the IMC club meeting that I went to, um, he uh, has a hangar just the next row up from mine, and in it he keeps his Super Cub on skis. And it just so happens that uh, on Sunday I took the, the arrow out, and I came back in, and I heard him. He was cleared to land right behind me and uh, went over and had a nice chat, and boy, that's a nice plane. Just, it's just a sweet little plane. You know, all the lakes are four feet thick uh, right now, and so you know it's no trouble to land on them with something like that with skis on it. Um, boy, that's a that's a nice aircraft for that. You got and this would be just as good. And to have a proper plane with a real stick instead of a yoke. Something I've always wanted to fly is a plane with a stick. I still never have. I'm working on it. Th- yeah. This thing looks like it belongs in the planes movie. <laughs> with that bl- did, baby did you see there's right? another planes movie yeah coming i just out? watched yeah. the the trailer today actually <laughs> i haven't even seen the trailer yet but i saw that it, it was coming it's, uh, out. i still haven't seen the first one. Oh, the first one was great oh, go see it wonder if there'll be any other uh planes dressed up like uh dusty um crop hopper yeah. yeah i don't know that was cool though it was i'm i'm still hoping that mark is going to come out and see Oshkosh. yeah i'm yes. working on it I'm, 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 this is the closest I've ever been. I almost bought the ticket the other day. Buy it. <laughs> I just bought my tickets for Sun and Fun. Me and my wife leave five minutes. Uh, I, I leave five minutes before my wife. Um, she's going to Vegas and I'm going to Sun and Fun. <laughs> that, that sounds like a fair exchange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Winning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this depends on what your love is. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And she's going out to hang out with her, her friends, and I'm coming to hang out with mine. So works out. Speaking of uh, fly-ins, um, y'all heard that uh, AOPA, AOPA added like six fly-ins for this year, and one of them's going to be right there with you uh, out there at Frederick. You going to plan on going to see that one? Uh, I might. AOPA's having a fly-in in Frederick? No way. <laughs> Unbelievable. How, How would they, they do, that? do that? It seems so inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. It's in. I think it, that one's in October. Um, oh, you gotta go. You gotta fly and you gotta um, take pictures. Yeah, that's that. That would be a good flight. I, so I gotta. Chris, I'll work that out. <laughs> so, Chris, are you gonna go to the one in Chino? I I was looking at that. Ain't a huge, a huge. Uh, There's two amazing museums there. Oh yeah, the Plains of Fame is there. Oh. That's that's uh, and Hinton, Steve Hinton's part of that. 
Uh-huh. Um, we were actually already planning on going. It's <laughs> pending Keith gets a new plane by then, but mm. uh, we're going to we're going to fly down for it. Oh, nice. All right. Well, in that case, it would make a good excuse for me to try and get there at least. I will see what I can manage. Yeah, so... Uh, I, think, I think that one's in October, November. None of them in the upper Midwest. Huh. It's too damn cold. Yeah, nobody Spokane. wants to go up there. Spokane. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's one in well, Spokane. How is that, that the upper yeah. Midwest? Well, the upper <laughs> northern, northwest. The one in Indianapolis is clo- The one in Frederick is closer. <laughs> really? Oh, well, yeah, the one in so. The one in Plymouth is closer. Yeah. I keep forgetting how far... Uh, East, you really are. I'm mean, well. You're central, but uh, so uh, we ready? Yeah, Chino's in uh, September twentieth. Okay. okay. Cool. Well, we should uh, wrap this puppy up. So, so <laughs> anybody got any uh, quick shout-outs before we wrap up? Nope. Just give a shout back out to Mike Hart, just because he gave a shout out to me. So. Mike, on the off chance that you're a listener, shout out to you. It's only fair. Cool. Anybody else? Going once, going twice. Cool. So, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, quick shout out to where you can find us. Start with you, Chris. Sure. Uh, you can uh, first find me by emailing me. Uh, that would be chris at in the pattern com. You can. Uh, Tweet me at uh, C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. Uh, also, if you'd like to uh, check out some uh, videos of uh, my flying, same uh, name there, C-H-O-L-U-B-A-Z. Cool. And uh, Brad, how about you? You can email me at brad at inthepatternpodcast.com. You can catch up with me on the Twitterverse at Brad Kane, or you can find me on the Facebook or on Diaspora uh, at bkane at diaspora.kane.com and if you haven't figured it out by now Kane is spelled Kilo Oscar Echo Hotel November awesome and uh, Mark welcome back where can we yeah, find thanks. you let's, let's remind thanks. everyone it's been a little while it has been a while so uh, let's see Mark at in the pattern in the pattern podcast.com uh, on Twitter I've changed my name back to student pilot mark it's, it's uh, <laughs> appropriate um i've been uh on and off there lately uh of course uh via facebook on our our web web page there and uh yeah i think that's pretty much it awesome and uh you can find me at john in the pattern podcast.com on twitter and app.net at pilot conway and facebook at john L. conway the fourth uh, for the Tyrant Podcast, you can uh, reach all of us at podcastinthepatternpodcast.com or on our website, inthepatternpodcast.com. We are on Twitter and Google Plus as In The Pattern, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash inthepatternpodcast. Uh, if you'd like any updates on new episodes, you can go to our homepage and join our mailing list. We will not use the information for anything except new episode updates, um, and you can go ahead and sign up on the right side of the page. And uh, finally, if you'd like, you can leave us a voicemail at 707-PCAST-01, and that's 707-PAPA-CHARLIE-ALPHA-SIERRA-TANGO-01. Um, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode 35 of the In the Pattern podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Remember, make left traffic. You're cleared for the option.
find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. TheVoicesInYourHead.com Cue the really fast music. Dude, Outstanding. I listen at double speed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounded right to me.